Appreciate it. Interesting. One of the things Brother Hooker said to introduce is kind of what I'm touching on today. I don't know if you've ever felt this way. I know I do frequently, but sometimes I feel like we just don't quite measure up to what God has for us. I feel like what in the world is God doing to use someone like me? And sometimes we put such high standards and we feel ourselves, we're beating ourselves down and we feel like I, I made all the mistakes. We know our true worth. We know in our hearts what we've done right and wrong. We feel like the wrong far outweighs the right. We see all our flaws. We see all the things that keep us from being good Christians. I know sometimes you get your Bible out and you want to read the Bible and be used of God and you start remembering all the times that you failed yourself or maybe you failed God or others or disappointed those and there's just this overwhelming guilt that you have in your heart and your life and it keeps you from saying, I can be used of God. And a lot of times as you go through in a Christian college, you'll compare and see other guys and think, boy, they're so productive in their ministry and I'm not, and I try hard. Man, I pray, I read my Bible, I give what I can, I sacrificially give up my time and money and effort. And you wonder, why is it never enough? And I think, as I hope to point out today, sometimes why we feel it's not enough is not anything that's healthy or from God, it's from the devil. I think a lot of times that we beat ourselves up and we diminish our value and diminish our worth. If we really look today, I think we'll see that that's not a Christian attribute that's from the devil trying to limit us you know if you look at the relationship uh, between us and God as Satan does I think you'll understand we are the weak link God is not and if God can get and do anything the only weak link the devil has just to get us thinking we can't because if God uses us as his tools and his instruments and if God can get us in our hearts and our minds to say we're not worthy I can't do it and put that guilt upon us where we can't be used then God cannot unleash his full power through us. We're the only ones who can limit God, and the devil knows that, and the devil attacks us that way. I know sometimes even in a marriage, or maybe as a college student, you can just look and think, boy, I'm not really worth much. I know that you can look at yourself, and you can just think, man, I'm trying, but I just can't measure up to what I want to. I remember uh, as a sophomore, I played a lot of basketball, but as a sophomore, first game that we dressed I we played the JV game and Mark Duff was with me we were both sophomores but we also dressed for the varsity team and played the varsity and I know that the first game we did that we were at an away game I believe and the cheerleaders made one of those hoops where you run through and you know I don't know why they do that but I'm sure it creates a lot of spirit it was great for the girls to be able to serve us uh, so we're doing that and we go on through and the guys like it's your Initial time, you guys run through, and so Mark and I were supposed to run through. So Mark and I felt stupid, but, you know, we were the sophomores. We had to run through this hoop. We went through, and Mark tripped over the little hoop. As he tripped over the hoop, he pulled me down with him. So these two guys, sophomores varsity, we already have a little bit of inferiority complex. As we come out, we fall through the hoop. We looked ridiculous. Everyone, we were like, yeah, we planned that. Yeah, right, okay. Um, but I was so mad at Mark, I thought, I'm never running through a hoop again. The next time we ran through the hoop, I was at the very end of the line. I stepped carefully over it so I didn't embarrass myself again. And sometimes in our lives, we make a mistake and we think, I'm not doing that again. Boy, I'm not looking like that fool again. I know sometimes you'll see somebody, you call them by the wrong name, so every time you see them after that, you avoid them. Well, I'm not, hey, Bob, how you doing? What do you, what do you mean I'm your roommate? My name's Bill, it's been Bill all year. Oh, I hate that. <laughs> or, hey, Bob, how you doing? I'm a girl, my name is not Bob. Thank you very much. 
you know, once there's a story, Gil Hodges was a baseball manager, and he met with the team, and he said, guys, he goes, I know four of you were late last night for curfew, and I need you to pay the $100 that you have to pay as a penalty. I'm going to set a box right here, and by the end of the day, I'm not going to ask you who you are. I'm not going to embarrass you. I just want the money there. At the end of the day, he had over $700 in that box. <laughs> I think that's how Gil operates. They know. The wicked flee when no man pursueth. That's what happens here, too. You know, you always feel like you're always pursuing, and you got to serve God. But I'm not good enough, but I'll keep trying. And that's a good attribute, except at some point that guilt will either turn you off or burn you out. You have to turn it around and say, you know what, I want to serve God, and I want to be a Christian because I've gratitude for my Savior died for me. You can't always have the guilt trip hanging over your head. It can work even in college. As Brother said, Hooker said when he introduced me, a lot of the people I work with, you know, they have jobs and families. They do not have to go out every week and visit on a bus route and try to get people to come to church. There's not a guilt trip or a lot of pressure put on them to go out and see lives changed and to say, I want to give my money and time away from my family or with my family on the route to do this. They choose to do that. A lot of you, sometimes you do your ministry out of guilt, and that's better than doing a nothing. You're on a training ground. It's a difference. That's why we separate the ministries. But I want you to understand, you cannot serve your entire life serving God out of guilt. You cannot have a lifetime of a happy marriage if you're serving and pleasing your wife out of guilt. You cannot have a lifetime being used of God if the only reason you're in is because, I just got to because I have this pressure on me. That won't work. I know that a few years back, one of my sons, this morning, I thought of it because I, I got up and helped my sons make a, uh, their lunches, and they wanted, two of them, I think, wanted peanut butter and marshmallow fluff sandwiches. Um, now, I wouldn't eat that, but I'm sure they love that. I remember a time um, we came, my wife and I were in the other room, we came, and my son came out, and he had marshmallow fluff. You know how it is? It's so gooey. It's on his hands. It was on his hair. He was looking. We look, and we look in the kitchen, the marshmallow fluff. You know, he had tried to smear it everywhere to get it off. Uh, son, have you been the marshmallow fluff? Are you sure? All right. Good job. Way to go. I think you were. Here's why. Sometimes we have that, don't we? We just deny it and say, well, no, we're not a problem. But in our hearts, we know we are. We get a little smoother in our deception as we get older. But in our hearts, we know our flaws. And sometimes that is very difficult to overcome. There's three ways I'll give you just to start with the rationalizer or handle guilt. One is rationalize. Act like it's not a big deal. Here's what we have. I know my wife and I were doing some counseling just a few months ago. And we were talking to a lady and saying, you know, you're married. You have children. You need to stick with the marriage. Here's what we got to do for the kids. And she rationalized in her own mind why it was okay to walk away and not worry about her family. And there all the little ramifications that came because of that in her mind it wasn't a big deal she'd rationalize that in her mind she said it's okay because and she went through and we could not dissuade her from that now I think at some point she is going to come face to face with that guilt and realize you rationalize but that doesn't mean it's gone you still are making a huge mistake but in her mind that's what had happened I know if we ever faced it people are surprised just a few months ago on a Sunday morning early, I was heading to the church, and I was not in a hurry. I was just thinking and going through, and a cop pulled me over, and he came up. He said, man, I'm sorry, I'm sorry you're going a little too fast. And I said, you're right. He goes, well, what's your excuse? I said, there's none. I'm not late. I was just driving. I guess I was an idiot this time. He laughed. He goes, that's fine. He goes, just be careful. Go ahead. Go on. I said, thank you very much. Um, I kept going. But it's amazing sometimes when you just say, you're right, I messed up. What else can they do to you? 
If you rationalize that guilt, say, you know what? I haven't read my Bible in a week, but I'm a busy person. That's rationalizing the guilt. If you can say, you know, I try to pray, but, you know, I'll get to God when I get in full-time service. That's going to rationalize, and that doesn't mean the problem goes away. You know, if you've ever read some of these insurance company, the accident claims, the descriptions they get, some of these I thought were kind of hilarious. A truck backed through my windshield and hit my wife's face. A pedestrian hit me and then went under my car. I pulled away from the shoulder of the road, road glanced at my mother-in-law, and then drove into the ditch. That one I understand. Um, another one, the pedestrian had no idea which way to jump, so I just ran over him. That had to be a lady driver. I, I'm not trying to specify there, but it had to be. <laughs> I'm going to rationalize that guilt. My wife and I are alone later about making that comment. But you can rationalize. What else can you You can deny the guilt? You can act like there's nothing to feel guilty about. What do you mean? You know, I, I immediately when I wrote this down, I thought of Saul. Samuel came to him and said, God told you to kill the Amalekites. Did you do it? Oh, absolutely. I did it. Um, what is the leading of the sheep and the one with the oxen that I hear? And what's King Agag doing awake? Oh, no, no, I did it. I don't think so. And he had to kill them all and bring Agag and said, you know what, I'm going to kill you. And I still think, surely the bitterness of death has passed. And Agag walked in. He was a diplomat, a dead one, but he was a diplomat. How about going through? Samuel had to follow God's orders. What happened? Saul just said, oh, I did it. And sometimes that can be such denial. It can be so strong. I have talked to people that denied so long, they are convinced it's the truth. I've talked to people who can lie so much, they convince themselves that lie is the truth. And you can deny it all you want, but the problem is still right there. You can say, I have a good marriage, but if your wife's gone or your husband's gone, there is a problem. You can say, hey, I'm good on my finances, but when they come to foreclose your home, there is a problem. You can say, you know what, I'm good in my relationship with God, but if God looks and says, you know what, son, I've been pursuing you for years and I'm not getting any reciprocation, there is a problem. You know, I know just uh, another few months ago, my wife and I were out, and I was stopped at a red light. A lady came up and bumped the back of my car. Bob said, you know, I'll try to be diplomatic. I got out. Ma'am, she comes up. She goes, oh, you know, she just got the car. She goes, it's all right. Let's just go. Oh, hold on. I said, hold on. Let me look at it. No, it's, it's fine. I just, I just tapped you. I said, I, I know you did, but let me just look. So we look, and there was damage to my bumper. I said, ma'am, I'm going to have to call the police, get a report. We're going to have to follow this. Oh, we're fine. I said, you're fine. I said, you hit me. But I said, i got to make sure. Called the police were there very quickly. He kept telling the lady, she's like, I didn't do that. He said, ma'am, I said, the marks and the dents are right there in the fender. But I didn't do it. I said, ma'am, it's car's never been injured we can, or dented. We can look back. It's never been an accident. I didn't do it. I said, ma'am, your crease and the emblem on your front of your car is right there in the back. No, that's not mine. That's impossible. Okay. The police took me aside. He goes, I would get to your insurance company as soon as you leave here. I said, all right, we'll do it. Now, she could deny all she wanted, but it was there. Now, I can't imagine that time with her husband that night. And I remember right before she left, she goes, but I didn't do it. You know what? My brakes failed. And he had had enough. He goes, you know what, ma'am? Pull right over there in that parking lot, and you're not going anywhere until a mechanic comes and fixes your car or tows it away. All right? How about that? Uh, so she went over there. I don't know what she happened after that. But she could deny it, but there was still a problem. She still had to pay the claim. Why? Because she caused a problem. And you can deny there is a problem, but that doesn't mean it's gone away. You can run from the guilt. You can just say, I'm out of here. 
And a lot of people do that. That's why some people leave college. I'm out of here. I'm not dealing with those problems. You immediately think of Jonah. What happened to Jonah? He said, I'm out of here. And God had to get his attention and bring him back. But a lot of times we just want to split. There are people every day who abandon their families, abandon their jobs, abandon their lives. They disappear. Why? They're running. They can't handle the guilt and the pressure. They say, I'm out of here. Some turn to drinking. Some turn to drugs. They just say, you know what? I'm going to get myself so intoxicated or so high that I can block out that reality. They're running and denying and saying, you know what? I'm it. So if you're one of those three today, decide if you have any of the guilt. What are some problems of guilt? You start looking. Is this on? Thank you. If we aren't careful, then we're going to allow guilt to keep us from being productive. Guilt can make us where we're a mess. Guilt can make us something where we look at our lives and say we're worthless, we're useless, we can't do anything. When I thought of this, I thought of two illustrations of the Bible. You all, if you want to, can turn to Genesis 3. As you're turning there, I'll read and describe another short story in Mark 16 and verse 7. If you look in the Bible, I told you some of the negative, but here's what I want you to see how God pursues those who have guilt over disappointing God. Mark 16, verse 7. Simple verse. You can read it later. They're, they're, the angel's talking to the ladies here after Jesus had risen from the dead. He's sitting there telling. He goes, and he had a point. What was so important? Go your way. Go ahead. Tell his disciples and Peter that he go before you into Galilee. There shall you see him, as he said unto you. Why in the world did he say, go tell his disciples and Peter? Why did he have to single him out? Why did he have to say, make sure you tell Peter? Because if you remember, right before Christ was crucified, Peter was the one who denied Christ three times and went out and wept bitterly. And I can tell you right now, I've been there. I know what the devil's doing. The devil's all over Peter's ear saying, look, you loser. Look what you just did. Look, at you just denied the Savior you spent three years with. You're worthless. You're nothing. And he convinced Peter that he was worthless and could not be used of God. And Peter was beating himself up and said, you're right. I ain't even going back. I ain't doing it. He's right. I am a nothing. God, you're better off without me. But if you look and read that verse, you'll see Jesus Christ felt differently. He said, not only is he not worthless, I want you to go find him. And he said, he has great worth. In fact, 50 days later, who preached Pentecost? A lot of us, we get so wrapped up and we feel like I can't please God. We're missing the point. We're not here just to be good enough for God. We're not. Our righteousness is filthy rags. We're simply supposed to be available for God and have a life of praise and gratitude to Him. Quit trying to measure up to God. Just say, God, I'm an instrument if you want to use me. Peter just said, man, praise the Lord. He'll take me back. And God and me said, absolutely, I'm the one pursuing you. Did he wait for Peter to come to him and say, about time he came around you, bum? No. He said, go and tell him. And if you're looking today and you're holding yourself back and you're saying, I'm, I'm worthless and I'm not good enough, look at that lady over there. Man, she has it all together. She's more attractive. She is. Oh, but she's more attractive. They have all, all their bill paid. They're doing all that. Guys, you're looking, say he's a better Christian. You know, you, you get excited, you get off your knees one morning, and you felt one tear come down your face, and you think, man, I'm right with God, do it. Look at your roommate, and he's sobbing, and his tears coming down, and praises the Lord. You think, I have nothing like that. And you think, I'm worthless. You know, God can use you regardless of your mistakes. God sees your potential. God knows our mistakes better than we do, but the devil, the deceiver, 
is the one who comes in our ear and tells you all the time you can't do anything and beats you up and works you and makes you feel worthless that you're nothing. thought it was interesting in Genesis 3. I'll read three verses here, which you can read later. Adam and Eve, just after they had sinned and taken the forbidden fruit. Genesis 3, verse 9, And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? He said, I heard thy voice in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. And he said, What? Who told thee? Thou hast naked. Hast thou eaten of the tree whereby command thee thou shouldest not eat? Who told thee? That was interesting. God immediately... He already knew they had sinned. He could have immediately said, you're a stinking loser. What are you doing? But instead he said, who, who, who told you you had to hide from me? Who told you that you weren't worthy to come meet with me and meet in my presence? Who told you that we can't talk face to face anymore? Who told you that you have to go hide when you hear my voice? Who told you that you're not good enough to come out and spend time with me? I'm your creator. I'm the one who made you. Who told you that? We know and the serpent did. Never name for the devil. Let me ask all of us this morning, is there someone nipping at your ears? Is there someone that's just driving you down and you're so fed up and you're worthless and you just can't do things? You say, God, I can't do it and gives just beating you down and making you feel that way. Who told you that? Who told you? Is it the devil that's trying to wear you down and say, look at the mistakes you've made? Look at all the past that you've had? Look at that sin that you keep going back to again and again and again? You're worthless. God didn't tell you that. If God had to tell us that, guess what? We're all counted out. God had to say, thou art worthy to us. Guess what? We'd all be out. None of us are exempt. We all struck out there. No, God said to Adam and Eve, man, who told you that? Let me ask you today, as you go through your daily lives this morning, as you're sitting there even now in your heart thinking, I'm not reading my Bible like I should. I'm not soul winning like I should. You know, there's times that God has told me to go out of my way and help somebody else. I'm selfish. I'm greedy. Man, I have this problem with pornography, or maybe it's drinking, or maybe it's gossip, or maybe I'm not working hard, or maybe I'm lying. I don't know what it is, and I know it, and I'm worthless, and I can't do anything for God. And I want to ask you today, who told you that? Who told you that? I'm not excusing or condoning sin. I'm telling you, get rid of the sin, but you're not worthless if you'll come to God and say, God, use me. God wants to use you. In fact, God pursues you. Who went after Peter when Peter had disappointed God? God did. Who went after Adam and Eve when they created the, I mean, created the first sin and created the fall of man? Who went after them? God did. If you went up this morning and said, you know what? I can't do it. I know what I'm doing. Who's going to come after you? God is. You don't have to beat yourself up. You don't have to feel worthless. I talk to people all the time that say, you don't know my past. You don't know the family background I came from. You don't know the the marriage that I've just gone through. You don't know the mistakes that I've made. You don't know the sin that I've committed. You don't know all the many mistakes. You don't know the financial mess I'm in. You don't know of all the many deceptions and lies my life has had. I'll tell you today, it's none of my business. It's God's. But I know one thing. God is pursuing 
you. God wants to use you. And if you start hearing all those words, I'll tell you something else. It's not God talking to you. It is not God telling you you're worthless. God says that while he rejects sinners, he died for us. God said he's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God said he came not to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. God said if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. God said our sins are removed as far as the east is to the west. God said that he is, nothing will stop him from loving us. The Bible says that height nor death or principality or anything can stop God from loving us. We just got to come to him. We're the apple of God's eye. God knows even the number of hairs on your head. God knows everything about you and God said, you are worthy in my sight. God doesn't come for the well, but God comes for the sick. We're blessed by God. We're not condemned. We're justified. We're redeemed. We're protected. We're surrounded by God. In fact, we're part of a royal priesthood to Jesus Christ. If you've been hiding from God, feeling worthless, who told you those lies? wasn't God consider the source who's telling you today that God doesn't love you who's telling you today that God can't use you who's telling you today that you are not good enough to go out and win a soul to Christ who's telling you today that you can't spend a life serving God who's telling you today that you can never have a good marriage because of the past you've had who's telling you today that you can't have a good uh, be a good husband or wife because of the all the abuse and past you've had I'll tell you this it ain't God God wants to come after you God loves you just as much as he loved Adam Peter after their mistake our God who is rich in mercy for by grace are ye saved through faith we are his workmanship and God has a plan for each one of you don't diminish your worth God can still use you don't listen to the devil and waste your potential what are some things that we can do to get our value back up Number one, if you have guilt because of sin in your life, it seems simple, but as I thought through this, I thought, number one, you stop the sin. If you have a problem, you think, why do I keep doing it? You've got to stop the sin. I'll tell you right now, if you go on a diet, you break that diet, what do you do after you break it once? You just bend, right? I broke it. I'll keep breaking it. In fact, I'll, I can do whatever I want. I'll eat as many calories as I want. You do it, it feels good for a little bit, right? But as soon as you finish binging on a diet, how do you feel immediately after you're done? You feel guilt, don't you? You feel worthless, don't you? You feel cheap and you feel like, I'm not, I'm not any good. Why? Because that's exactly how the devil wants you to feel every day of your life. You get up this morning, no matter how much Bible you read, you know what the devil's going to tell you? It ain't enough. You know how much you pray and get your heart with God? You know what the devil's going to tell you? It ain't enough. You know how much time you try to spend with God? You're always going to feel like, you know what? It ain't enough. And if you convince yourself to feel that way when you sin, you're going to think it's a big deal. I'm a loser anyhow. God doesn't think that. If you're sinning today and that's giving you the guilt, stop the sin. Next, ask forgiveness from God and from those you have hurt. If you have a problem, men or ladies, you go to God, get on your knees, say, God, you created me. You have a great future for me. Boy, I want to be used by you. God, help me stop this sin. 
get this sin out of my life. And God, I am so sorry. I don't want to serve you out of guilt. I want to serve you out of gratitude and love. God, you've done everything for me, and you, you have done it all, and I want to serve you, not out of guilt, but out of the abundance of your heart. Stop that sin. Go to God and say, I'm sorry, and if you've hurt some others, go make it right with them. If you're just feeling guilt because you can never be good enough. Every time you have 50 on your bus, you get sick of hearing all the guys who had more than you. You think, man, how do they have that many? They're a better, smoother liar than you are. Every time you get someone saved, you talk to someone else. Oh, is that today? I, was, I only had one this semester. Oh, you loser. You are. Uh, but you loser. You know, I'll tell you this. If you start listening to the devil, it's never going to end. You say, I'll get through it. I, I'm going to get through it. You keep listening to the devil. He's going to keep in that ear. He's going to keep telling you how worthless you are and how you can't be anything, how you're just a loser and going through, and he's going to keep it up and no matter what height you attain, it'll never be enough. No matter what number you reach in your ministry, it ain't never going to be enough. No matter what level of life you feel you live, it is never going to be enough. The devil is going to come to you and just say, you can't do it, and God doesn't want you. Look at you, are a piece of trash, and devalue you. But God says, hey, don't listen to him. Look at what he told Adam and Eve. I'm asking today, who told you that God doesn't have a plan for you anymore? God makes us to be valuable in his sight. If we're worthless as a Christian, we'll avoid prayer in the Bible. We'll let that guilt drive us from even being in the presence of God. You think, not with me. Maybe not. But Adam and Eve went and hid from God. Peter went and hid from God. Jonah went and hid from God. And if they did it, guess what? I think we probably will too. And I'm raising my own hand. You cannot. You go to God and say, God, I'm sorry. I just want to be used. I know I'm not worthy. But God, you can do anything through me. And I want to feel that. I just want to be a tool to be used. And God, I want to be a servant and a vessel to you. If you're not careful, you'll let guilt over past mistakes or guilt over a past sin or guilt over something you did a while back keep and hinder you and hamstring you and you'll never reach your potential for God. There are many Christians who are far better than I am that do far less than I do, not because they're not capable, but because they don't allow God to work in their life because they're listening to the lies of the devil. And I'd like to go and say, say who told you that? Because I guarantee you it's not God. You know, if I ask this question here, I said, I have a $20 bill. If I ask you in this crowd, I said, how many of you would like to have this $20 bill? Raise your hand. How many of you would like to have this $20 bill? All of you except the very stupid ones. Now, what if I said, you see, that looks good, doesn't it? It's a nice $20 bill. What if I take the $20 bill up and just start crumpling it up? Now, what if I say, now who wants this $20 bill? How many of you still want this? All right, what if I take it in the ground, and what if I stomp on it, get some dirt on it? What if I kick on it? What if I, what if I even spin it? See, Scott Gray stealing that right there? Who told you you're lying a thief? Okay, going through. We still want it. Wow. Why do you still want it? Because it still has value. 
But you say, but it, it's been crumbled. It's messed up. It has dirt on it. Man, that thing ain't worth as much anymore. Say, yeah, it is. You know why? Because I'm the one that's going to use this. This dollar bill, if we could interview the dollar and say, I ain't near as nice as that 20 over there. And that dollar bill and that, that 20 over there, man, that looks a lot better. And that's got to be worth a lot more than I am. And boy, you could probably buy a whole lot more with that nice looking 20 over there. And they say, no. The clerk at the store will take this 20 just as much as they'll take that 20 over there. You say, but this has been beat up, and I tell you this. Who told you that? Who told you that you're not worthless? That you're not useful anymore? Who told you you're worthless? Who told you, you say, but I have a, a crumpled up life, and I say, you just told me that this 20 still had value. You know why? Because I'm the one who's going to use it. Who's the one who's going to use you? God is. God sees your value. God sees your potential. God doesn't just see all your mistakes. If He truly forgives us from our sin, then God says, I want to use you. Don't listen to the devil. If I could talk to 20, I'd say, who told you that you aren't worth anything anymore? Who told you that you aren't good enough to be used by God? Who told you that you aren't good enough to be in Howells Harrison College? I want all of you to understand today, you have problems just like this 20 right here you're crumpled and you're messed up you have made mistakes but I'll tell you this you're just as valuable to Jesus Christ if you go to God and say God please use me God will say I've been pursuing you just as he did with Adam just sitting with Eve Peter Jonah God is coming after you all you have to do is turn around and say, God, if you'll have me, I'll trust you that I have value. Do you have value today? Do you believe God can use you? Do you believe that you have a future? Do you believe that God can use you to reach a host of people and turn them all to Him? Do you believe that God can use your light to so shine that people can turn and see how good God is? Do you still believe, just like you did when God called you the first time, that you can be used of God? Do you still believe that, that time when God called you and you felt, God, I can't believe you picked me? All the mistakes you made in between, guess what? Do you go to God and say, God, I, I messed up. I'm sorry. God will say, you still have that value. You haven't diminished at all. If you don't believe me, we could pull many people up here that have had past, that if they listen to the devil said you are worthless God got in the air one day and said who told you that and they looked and said it wasn't you God he said no what I want to use you all of us can be used today I'm asking you today to just say God if you'll have me I want to be used God I, I can't measure up but I can give my all God, I, 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 my heart, I, I know I'm doing my best. And God said, just serve me with your heart. Micah 6, 7, what does the Lord require thee to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with thy God? Can you do that? Can you do that? You may be worthless in your own eyes, but it's a good thing you're not the one spending you. God is. And God says, you have value. Let's pray, dear Jesus. Thank you so much.